Sorry. Good morning, everyone. Today's Bible reading is from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Through the doors, though the doors were locked, sorry, um, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe, have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Well, good morning, everybody. It's uh, wonderful to be here uh, this morning. Uh, let me give you a, a Greek greeting, and that is Christos Anesi. Um, we celebrated Greek Easter last week, which was a wonderful time. We get to celebrate it twice. Um, lots of people think that uh, the Greeks uh, celebrate Easter always later than uh, the Westerners do. Last year it was, um, it was a month later. Um, and I think that uh, they love to serve it later because they get everything at half price. Um, <laughs> but the greeting that I gave to you, Christos Anesi, uh, simply means Christ is risen. Uh, and it's a wonderful reflection that we have on Jesus and what he's done. And, and I want to reflect on uh, Easter. We can never have enough of Easter, brothers and sisters, can we? We can never have enough of the resurrection. Uh, my wife... And uh, her friend, um, her, her friend has a property up at Avoca. And several years ago, my children went up with her children um, to um, just go up to Avoca to relax over the summer period for about a week. And while they were up there, they found out this. They found out the HMS Adelaide, an ex-Navy ship, was due to be sunk. And they decided this would be a great thing to actually go witness and so they went and got a, a picnic blanket they got drinks and cheese and chips and sat down because they were told pretty much at about uh, midday um, there will be explosions 
and they would sink the ship. So they'd actually, you'd be pleased to know there were no torpedoes or machine guns um, on the ship at all because that would be a disaster, wouldn't it? Um, but they wanted it um, to be a haven for scuba divers to come and to go through this vessel. Anyway, my, my wife and her friend Kate, uh, they waited, they, they were there, they waited more. Um, it was four in the afternoon, they waited for four hours at this stage and then five hours and then six hours and they just thought, oh, it's, it's not going to happen today. And basically they, they left their property and they walked behind a block of units that overlooked a Voca um, beach. And as they turned the final corner, they heard this explosion, uh, they heard cheering of people and they quickly grabbed everything and ran around the corner and they didn't even see bubbles. The thing, the, the thing, the thing, was, the thing was sunk uh, before their very eyes. Um, they, they, I want to say, I'd still never get my wife saying, we were there for so long and we missed out. We missed out. And today, in some ways, is all about missing out. Um, we're going to look at the story of a man called Thomas. He's otherwise known as Doubting Thomas. What a, what a, what a label to have on you. Uh, but the, the good news is, is, is that we know what the good news is and we're going to hit the good news very, very soon. But I want to say this. We can't go to the resurrection too quickly uh, to really understand the impact that this passage uh, had on Thomas and had on us as well. You see, the followers of Jesus were locked behind closed doors. Uh, people hated Jesus, therefore they hated his disciples and the disciples feared for their lives because they thought that Jesus was the Messiah and they were right in thinking that. Uh, he was the Messiah, he had come into the world to save them and they were struck with grief themselves because of what had happened to Jesus and they themselves were confused about uh, what had happened they knew that he died, his body was placed in a tomb, he was the one who came to save them, but he is now dead. Um, what devastation they must have felt, those early Christians. There they were, they were trapped in verse 19 they were of chapter 20, they were trapped in fear, and then Jesus appears in their midst. And in the midst of fear, you know, just picture yourself being there, he says these words to them. He says to them, peace be with you. You know, they weren't harsh words, were they? They could have been harsh words. But there his followers that were there, they, they saw the risen Jesus in their midst. They went from devastation and fear to courage and transformation. I mean, this would have made a great tweet, wouldn't it? He's alive. Um, go to the tomb, there's nobody there. Um, I would have just loved to have seen their facial expressions. But when Jesus appeared to them, Thomas is not there. Maybe he had ducked down to the shops and buy himself a kebab or something like that, but we know he is not there. Everybody else is there and they all see Jesus except for Thomas. And Thomas, you would just imagine walking into the room where the disciples were and they say the words in verse uh, 25, we have seen the Lord. 
What a wonderful thing for somebody to actually say to you, we have seen the Lord. I mean, in some ways, can I say, brothers and sisters, we all identify with Thomas, don't we? I mean, even myself, I've, I've had periods of doubt. Did, did that really happen? Um, we are all challenged by this, this thinking. And so we shouldn't be too harsh on Thomas. But there are some things that Thomas should have seen and that maybe some of us should have seen this morning as well. I once struggled over the many things in my Christian journey about things. But Thomas, he is adamant. He says the words, I won't believe unless I put my hands in his, in his, in his, the, the nail marks in his hands, the, the sword marks in his side. He says these words, unless I see it, I will not believe. Should Thomas have believed? As you sit there this morning, you hear the scriptures being read to us. You think about Easter that we have celebrated. Should Thomas have believed? Is there grounds for belief in terms of what had happened? You know, all the disciples fled. You know, in Mark's gospel in chapter 14, and, and theologians say more than likely it was Mark because nobody would know this story except for Mark. And Mark tells it in his gospel. But in chapter 14 of Mark's gospel, as a young man, he is there in the upper room and follows it by the distance. And the guards that are there that are due to arrest Jesus grab Mark by his outer tunic, like you might say, like his, his bathrobe. And, and he, he flees so much that the robe is actually pulled off him and he is fleeing naked downtown Jerusalem. I mean, like, this is not like a, a, a cricket game where somebody has drunk too much and they decide to be a streaker across the oval. This is, this is a man who fears for his life that he is running away from this. It would have been I- incredible. It almost seems like a practical joke, but it's not. It's the truth. I want to say this to us this morning. Why Thomas should have believed is this. He had the testimony of the apostles. He had their testimony. I mean, Thomas had spent years with Jesus, three years with Jesus in his public ministry. Thomas himself would have actually heard Jesus teach. He would have heard Jesus speak about Jesus' own resurrection. You know, it's, it's extraordinary. Thomas, I want to say, should have believed. This is, you know, you don't go to somebody's funeral and say to the person who's grieving, oh, I saw them alive down at the shops, and then you say to them, just joking. I mean, you, you know, who would do that? Who would be so insensitive to say something like that to someone? I mean, you know, but the extraordinary thing is this, is that Jesus is alive, and Thomas should have actually recognised what the Scriptures taught about all this. You know... The world record for the high jump is 2 metres 44. Um, it's, it's, um, it's 8 foot high. Um, we're, talking, uh, we're, we're talking over above my arm. As far, I, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's the, if you've ever gone to a, a soccer game, you know the height of the bar is 2 metres 45. I mean, somebody can actually jump that. Can you? That's, that's without a pole. I'm not talking about pole vault. 
I'm talking about the high jump. And there's an Australian lady who's a great high jumper as well. Uh, she's a Christian as well. Great testimony she had at the last uh, Olympics. But you know what? If, if the world record holder can jump that high, and you were to put the bar at a metre high, would he be able to jump a metre? Of course he can. If he can jump that high, he can jump this high. Uh, it should have been expected, and it, it is exactly the same with Jesus and with Thomas. He should have seen this. Um, he should have seen the importance of who Jesus was. Anyway, we're actually told this, that several days later, in verse 27, Jesus appears to the disciples again. And this time Thomas sees, and you know the words that he says to Jesus. He says, my Lord and my God. Thomas acknowledged that Jesus is the risen king. The man who said, unless I see his, the, the nail marks on his hands and the spear marks on his side, he recognises that Jesus is the risen king. My Lord and my God. It's unbelievable, isn't it? You know, I want to say this to you this morning, um, is this. Um, I have a 20-cent coin in front of me. And we know that there are two sides to the coin. I asked some people the other day about the resurrection of Jesus and what he had come to do. And, the, and I said to them this, do you want Jesus to be your saviour? And they said, absolutely. You know, who doesn't want Jesus to be their saviour? That's on one side of the coin. But on the other side of the coin, if you ask the question, who wants Jesus to be their Lord? Oh, well, look, if he's got to be boss of my life well that sort of changes everything I mean like to be my saviour is fine but I don't want him to be my lord it's the two sides of the coin and in some ways Thomas came to that realisation himself that Jesus has not only come to save but Jesus wants to be the lord of our lives as well you know this is not simply a story about blind faith that Thomas should have believed uh, this is not a story about being gullible. Thomas had the witnesses of his closest friends about the resurrection of Jesus. You know, can I encourage you, there's a, a great video that was made several years ago called The Case for Christ. It's the testimony of a man called Lee Strobel. And as a matter of fact, they made a video uh, about this as well. Uh, last year, I heard on the news, this is in the secular media, that they were in, recently there were some archaeologists looking through caves in the Judean desert. They don't tell the location, wisely so, because often people go in and actually steal what's there. And anyway, they once again found fragments of the Old Testament in this cave and once again pointed to the fact that what we have recorded um, in the Gospel accounts is about Jesus who has risen and conquered death. And all the time in downtown Jerusalem, like I'm a Greek, I went to uh, Greece a couple of years ago with my family and we could see the places that the Apostle Paul went and spoke at Mars Hill. All these other things that, that the Apostle Paul did. They're all factual evidence, once again, that points to the person of Jesus. I was on a camp last year and uh, there was a group of girls 
uh, in years 11 and 12 that were having uh, somebody given a talk and there were about eight of these girls sitting in a circle having a discussion. And I was walking past the group and I said to one of the girls called Rachel, I said, Rachel, why did you become a Christian? And Rachel said, she read in the Gospels about the life of Jesus and, and she decided to give her life to Jesus, for Jesus to be the Saviour and the Lord. Um, and then I asked the girl next to her, I said, why did you become a Christian? And she said, because of Rachel. Uh, it was because of Rachel she became a Christian. And then I asked the next girl, she said, Rachel. Then the next girl, Rachel. And then the next girl said, not because of Rachel, but because of one of the other girls that Rachel led to Christ, I became a Christian. And all of a sudden, all these people had actually become Christians because of this girl, Rachel. And I want to say the reason why Rachel did and said what she did is simply because of this. It's simply because she reflected that Jesus was Lord and Jesus was my Saviour. And, oh, and in the end, she lived a life worthy of the resurrection of Jesus. She believed because of what Jesus did, that Jesus had actually come alive and he was alive in her. Can I say to you this morning, brothers and sisters, do you live a life reflecting the risen Jesus? Do you live a life that reflects the gospel and who he is and what he's done? I have a friend, his name is Saeed. Uh, he was raised in Iran under the Shah uh, and then the Ayatollah Khomeini came in and, and really ripped apart the country and he fled. He was a Muslim and he followed the five pillars of Islam and one of them was to go to Mecca during your lifetime and to actually see where Muhammad lay. And he said he did that as a young man. And when he came to Australia, he met some Christians who told him about Jesus and how the tomb was empty. And he said he had followed a dead man all his life. He'd followed Allah. He followed the teaching of Muhammad. And in the end realised that Jesus is alive and yet all his life he had followed a man that was dead and that you could see his grave. You know, next year I'm looking forward to going to Israel with my brother and I can't wait to go and look in the tomb because you know what, when I look at it, it's going to be empty. And, uh, and I know it's empty already, um, but I look forward to seeing it, taking some photos and coming back and showing you guys. Um, let me conclude by saying this. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let me pray. Father, the story of your son's resurrection really demands that all of us put our faith in him. I do thank you for this wonderful message and for those that might be struggling with doubt or may be confused, I do pray that the words of John Gospel may ring true in their hearts and lives. And we thank you for this time this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.